happy times, joy be your feet. That's really Won't That Be a Happy Time? That's a new Joseph Spence song from the album just released from Smithsonian Folkways called Encore, Unheard Recordings of Bahamian Guitar and Singing. And on the line with me is Peter Siegel, who produced this new album. And welcome to WLRN, Peter. Hey, Michael. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So so tell me, why, why have I never heard Won't That Be a Happy Time? You've never heard... Won't that be a happy time? Because until recently, it was hidden on some reel-to-reel tapes here that I have that I recorded in 1965, and I only found out that it was here, oh, six months ago. And I got very excited and started listening to all these tapes I had, and suddenly there's a whole new album of Joseph Spence. Wait a minute. So in 1965, you obviously... What, uh, uh, to have a recorder in 1965, was it those big reel-to-reel things you had? It was actually a portable recorder called a Nagra, which was a very high quality portable machine that, that ran on six D batteries. And it was specifically designed to run on six D batteries because you can get D batteries anywhere in the world. Why is the quality so good then? I'm talented. What can I tell you? <laughs> Where were you when you recorded Joseph Spence on that song? On... Won't that be a happy time? Uh, okay, I'm old, man. See, I'm old. <laughs> but I was like 19 years old when I recorded it. I was living at home, and Joseph Spence was in my apartment, which was quite an experience, I've got to tell you. 19 years old? So you were living in New York City in Manhattan? Yeah, I'm from New York. Well, that's, uh, that's, that's an, living in New York as a teenager, as a kid, gives you opportunities that people here in Miami Beach never would have. Uh, What was it like growing up in New York City? I grew up amidst a whole bunch of folk musicians. My my parents were into folk music. They uh, were familiar with Woody Guthrie and Lead Belly. And uh, my dad was friends with a group called the Almanac Singers, which included Pete Seeger and Woody Guthrie. So I heard all that stuff as I was growing up. So uh, it was it was an exciting time. How did you get access to a tape recorder? I uh, I had some friends who were very talented musicians, uh, people like Ralph Rinsler and Mike Seeger and Art Rosenbaum, and they were great musicians. They were folk musicians, and part of their musical life was to record the old time musicians that they learned from the traditional musicians. Uh, and I wanted to be like them. So I, I got a tape recorder and started recording people. Were you a musician? Yeah, I play the banjo. So I'm pretty I, good too. Yeah. Do I, did you make any albums? I recorded as part of a band. We're talking ancient history here. I recorded as part of a band called the Even Dozen Jug Band. Oh, of course. Which 
also included John Sebastian and Maria Muldor and Steve Katz and David Grisman and Josh Rifkin, a whole bunch of people. And I also appeared on a couple of Electra albums playing the banjo. Reading the extensive liner notes on the new album, Joseph Spence Encore, I find that you were also a member of the Friends of Old Time Music in New York City. Uh, and from what I understand, that group was started because folk music in the early 60s took a commercial turn. Uh, specifically, the Kingston Trio became very popular, and that some folks didn't consider that real folk music. Where did you lie? Well, before the Kingston Trio and, and those groups came out, I was very involved in, in listening to folk music, uh, and it was wonderful music, but it wasn't necessarily the original perpetrators of folk music. Uh, I, I grew up listening to people like Pete Seeger, and, uh, you know, in New York, you could hear great musicians. Uh, my, banjo, my banjo teacher was a guy named Billy Fayer, who I really loved, uh, and you could hear Pete Seeger and Odetta and Eric Darling and the Weavers and all kinds of people like that. But those people weren't members of the original communities that created this music. So what the Friends of Old Time Music was about was getting a hold of some of these old mountain singers and blues singers uh, and bringing them to New York to have them perform for these folk audiences who thought they liked folk music, but maybe never heard the original uh, singers do it. And, and that was a real eye-opener for a lot of people. So the Friends of Old Time Music put on shows in New York City and around, and they brought in the originals. Yes, that's exactly right. Uh, and uh, Joseph Spence, the man who you recorded, was from the Bahamas. And uh, when was the first time you heard him? The first time I heard Joseph Spence was when an album came out on Folkways Records in 1959, which makes me about 15 years old. It had been recorded by a, a great um, folklorist and, and field recorder named Sam Charters, who was a great student of the blues as well. And he recorded Joseph Spence and put out an album on Folkways, and it completely blew me away. And it completely blew, blew away a lot of people, I have to tell you. Spence was a traditional guitarist, but he was one of those rare musicians who was a radical innovator within a tradition. So everything that he does sounds completely like Bahamian music and nothing like Bahamian music. It sounds completely like Joseph Spence. And when I heard it, I went crazy. So it, I didn't know that within five years I was gonna actually meet Joseph Spence and take him around New York and visit him in Nassau and record him. Uh, and that was totally an eye-opening experience for me. Joseph Spence, his, his musical style is quite unique. Was it unique for, for Bahamas as well? Absolutely. He's one of a kind, no matter where you hear, heard him. And uh, the roots of where he comes from, uh, from reading your liner notes, I have just now became familiar with, uh, what is the term, the Ryman singers? Rhyming singing? Rhyming, yeah. Okay, Joseph Spence came from Andros Island in the Bahamas. It's the largest island in the Bahamas. And it was home to a Bahamian industry of sponge fishing, which was a, a, a big business in the 
early uh, 20th century, uh, going up until about the, the mid 30s, the mid uh, 1930s. Uh, and the sponge fishermen had to stay out on small boats, sometimes for weeks at a time, harvesting these sponges from the ocean. Uh, and they spent their time past the long nights by singing together. And they created a tradition called rhyming, which was a vocal tradition where it was almost a precursor of rapping because the uh, lead singer, who was called the rhymer, would just toss out these very fast syncopated verses uh, against a background provided by a few other singers who would be singing the chorus of a song and the rhymer would be singing on top of it. And it was wonderful. And Joseph Spence was part of that tradition. And when he learned how to play guitar, he incorporated the different voices of rhyming into a kind of multi-voiced guitar style like no one had ever heard. So his bass notes, uh, don't sound anything like American guitar players' bass notes. He's actually learned the style of bass production that a, that a Bahamian rhyming singer would have done if he was singing bass. But he takes that on guitar and he takes the rhymer's role into the treble strings. And so you get a whole little rhyming group within Spence's guitar, which has never happened before and really never happened since. I'm talking with Peter Siegel, producer of a new release of Joseph Spence called Encore through Smithsonian Folkways Records, and Peter recorded these songs. Well, let me play a sample of what you're talking about. Where did did you record Out on the Rolling Sea? I recorded that at a concert that was put on by the Friends of Old Time Music in New York. And on that one, it's not primarily a guitar song, Joseph Spence is really rhyming himself vocally on that piece. So you'll hear a group of Bahamian singers led by Joseph Spence's sister, Edith, and Joseph Spence is playing accompanying guitar. But when you hear a lot of real fast rhyming going on, that's Spence himself doing the tradition that he learned from. Here's Out on the Rolling Sea, Joseph Spence. A rolling sea when Jesus speaks to Jonah. A rolling sea when it rolled. A rolling sea when Jesus feed me. A rolling sea when Jesus speaks to me. A rolling sea when it rolled. A rolling sea. Boy, but out on the road and see, Jesus speak to 
Joe Suspense, a recording from the new album Encore, produced by my guest Peter Siegel, and that was recorded in 1965 in concert, put on by the Friends of Old Time Music and recorded by Peter Spence. That is so unusual music. I mean, did everybody react the way you did? Were people kind of, I I mean, you, you say in the liner notes, some people were kind of put off or scared by what they were doing. I, I, uh, I think Spence really affected a lot of people, and he influenced a lot of people. From the get-go, musicians like Ry Cooter and Taj Mahal started learning how to play like Joseph Spence. And uh, one of his songs uh, called uh, uh, I Bid You Goodnight became a, a standard that was performed by the Grateful Dead and Aaron Neville and many other pop singers. And many people know that song today, but they don't know where it came from. Does uh, was Joseph Spence? Did he, was he ever recognized for the the uh, contra- contribution to music that he gave? He he was not on a vast commercial scale. He was he came to America a few times and performed in concerts, and his music was in the nineteen sixties really a, a a driving force, but for a lot of musicians. He was never really recognized in the Bahamas. Nobody in the Bahamas knows who Joseph Spence was. There's some people down there trying to fix that, but so far, no luck. But a lot of people got to hear him in the United States through his records and performances. A lot of his music, it it seems, is religious music. Did he play in church, or was 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 he a religious man? I suppose. Yeah, and uh, it wasn't so much that he played in church but that his music incorporates a lot of the songs and musical thinking that he heard in church. Uh, so, And it also includes anthems. Uh, the one you just heard, uh, Out on the Rolling Sea, was an anthem. That was an early religious song from the early Bahamian settlements that came along before gospel music. 
But later on, gospel music reached the Bahamas. Joseph Spence learned some of it. So you'll hear on the album songs like uh, I'm going to lay down my sword and shield down by the riverside, which is really an American gospel song that he learned and transformed into his own style. His his style is is it improvis? It sounds like he's making it up, or it doesn't sound like it's. Is how much of it is improvisational? A lot of it. You know, there are certain singers who will play the same song or sing the same song the same every time. But in the case of Spence, every time he performed it, it was different. So that means to me that uh, he was making it up as he went along. Maybe that's why he never became a professional, because he didn't play it the same way every time. I don't know, but <laughs> he was good enough to be a professional. He was a professional. He just wasn't, uh, he wasn't as recognized as I would have liked him to be. Peter Siegel is trying to fix that now. He has a new album. Although Joseph Spence passed away back in 1984, he does have uh, Peter Siegel is producing a new album of his material called Encore, Unheard Recordings of Bahamian Guitar and Singer Joseph Spence. Uh, so at 19 years old, you were his escort when he first came to the United States, and that's when you recorded a lot of this music with the concert of Friends of Old Time Music. He, you also recorded him when he was in your parents' apartment. Yes, and and I also recorded him in his home in the Bahamas, so I got to know him in, in a variety of different settings. It was always, always amazing and always surprising. Have you done other work uh, as a field recorder? Yeah, I've recorded a, a lot of great music. I, I have an album that I put out on Smithsonian Folkways. I guess it came out last summer of Doc Watson and his uh, father-in-law, Gaither Carlton, the fiddle player, playing the kind of music that Doc used to play at home as opposed to his uh, performances. It's real traditional North Carolina music with Doc Watson and his fiddle-playing father-in-law, Gaither Carlton, that kind of thing. I love that stuff. So why is that? That's, that's not popular music. This is more historical music. Why, what is it that attracts you to that? It's got a lot of soul. What can I tell you? I mean, it just really means a lot to me. I think that all this old traditional music comes from a time when music was not as homogenized as it is now. Uh, there was no radio. Uh, in many cases, there were no phonographs yet when these people were learning their music. So they learned within their families, and each family had a unique way of singing. Each little hill or valley had its own rhythms. So if there was a fiddle player from a particular valley, everybody knew how to dance to that fiddle player. But he, if he went and played a, a job at a, at a dance in another part of the state, everybody didn't understand the rhythm. So it's really, uh, there were all these wonderful pockets of very unusual and unique music that uh, people played and they all have their own character. And uh, once in a while, a great genius musician like Doc Watson or Joseph Spence comes along and takes those elements of traditional music and makes something really unbelievably great. Did you know back in 1965 when you were recording him that he was as unique as he is? I did. Uh, I, by that time, I had heard a lot of music, and nothing sounded like Joseph Spence. Well, Peter, you grew up in New York City. Uh, 
I assume you went to all the folk clubs back then as well. I did. I spent an awful lot of time at Gertie's Folk City on West 4th Street, where the manager, Mike Porco, let me be there, even though he knew I wasn't of legal age, because he knew I wasn't going to cause him any trouble. I just wanted to hear the music. And I, I went to other clubs like the Gaslight, you know. What education did you pursue? You personally, what, what did you, did you pursue music? Yeah, I, uh, I went to college at NYU where I learned nothing that would ever help me with music. And uh, then I went to work for Elektra Records and I started a label within Elektra Records called the Nonesuch Explorer series, which produced great traditional musicians from around the world. It was one of the beginnings of uh, recording what, what would now be called world music. And I recorded music not only from the Bahamas, but from India, from Japan, from Sweden, all over. And uh, it's made some great records. And I, I've been doing that ever since. So you have uh, a storage locker full of tapes. <laughs> and, and, you came, and you happened to come across this old one that you wanted to reproduce. That's true. Uh, Joseph Spence Encore is Peter Siegel's new album. What is your relationship with Smithsonian Folkways? Have you been working with them for a long time? I have. Uh, I actually, you mentioned the Friends of Old Time Music. I recorded all of the concerts, all 14 concerts that the Friends of Old Time Music put on. And several years ago, working with Smithsonian Folkways, we put out a, a three-CD box set of the highlights of all those concerts. So that's a wonderful set. But I actually, when I was a kid, I knew Mo Ash, who ran Folkways Records, which later became Smithsonian Folkways. And I made some albums for Mo. Some of those are coming out in the future again on Folkways Records. Uh, I made two albums by Hazel Dickens and Alice Foster, which were LPs that were released back in the 70s. And uh, they're coming out again as LPs on Smithsonian Folkways Records with spiffy new remastering by me. Moe Zash is quite the stereotypical record producer that you see in uh, portrayed in movies like uh, Inside Lewin Davis as this disorganized uh, uh, father figure. And he doesn't really have give salaries. He just kind of doles out money when you need it. What was? Did you work with Mozash? Uh, I did. Uh, that film was a little unfair to, to Mo because uh, what it didn't show about him, you know, it, it showed his, his uh, old-time businessman side, but it didn't show the fact that he was just doggedly, persistently enamored of getting real folk music on records. So... Uh, he recorded people that no one would have recorded. And and because of Mo Ash, we get to hear records by Lead Belly and Woody Guthrie and all kinds of people today. Uh, and yeah, he could be difficult to work with, but, but I think the film didn't really show him for who he was, who was a great hero of traditional music, really. I mean, I never would have heard Joseph Spence if it hadn't been for, for Mo Ash. I, you know, I mentioned Doc Watson and uh, Hazel Dickens and Alice Foster, and he was the first person to put them out at a time when there didn't appear to be any commercial 
future for this kind of music. Mo did it anyway, so he was great. He was a little gruff, but <laughs> that's an understatement. But but he was a great guy. But you obviously got along with him. Yeah, I, I mean, he was what was called a record man, uh, and they were almost all men. Uh, but but when I talk about record men. Uh, that was a term that described Moesh, it described Ahmed Erdogan, it described Jack Holzman at Elektra. It described these guys who owned the company and did what they wanted to do. Uh, and that is a, a creature largely of the past now because record companies are now typically owned by large corporations and have their own corporate processes for deciding what they want to do. But these guys just did whatever they wanted to do, and they made great records. You took a different path, uh, Peter Siegel, uh, a path of uh, preserving. There's Alan Lomax, Sam Charters, as you mentioned, uh, people who care more about preserving the, the, the real folk music, where you go out and do field recordings. Have, did you meet Sam Charters or Alan Lomax? Yeah, I met both of them. I knew Sam Charters pretty well. These were these were amazing people, you know. I, and I'm I'm thinking also of Ralph Rinsler, who's who was one of the leaders of the Friends of Old Time Music, uh, John Cohen, who was a member of a group called the New Lost City Ramblers, and who recorded music throughout Kentucky and the South. Mike Seeger, Pete Seeger's half brother, did the same thing, and I was very taken with the work these guys did, and uh, wanted to do it myself, and I did. And you did that, took you all over the world. A, a bit. Uh, <laughs> I, record, I recorded a lot of the uh, traditional music from other parts of the world. I recorded actually in the United States, like Goro Yamaguchi, the shakuhachi uh, player that I recorded for Nonesuch was on tour. And I got a hold of him while he was in, in uh, he was a, performing at Wesleyan University in Connecticut. I found him up there and recorded him. So I didn't necessarily go all over the world for that, but for some things. Peter Siegel, I'm, I'm curious again about your motivation. You want, you want to keep this, you want to preserve this music, yet uh, it, it, it must stir something in you. Does it frustrate you that more, not more people understand or hear this music? Well, I'll tell you, a lot more people understand it than than did when I first started recording it. And that has a lot to do with the people I'm talking about, the friends of old-time music, Ralph Rinsler. Uh, because today, if you listen to public radio, as you well know, you can hear all kinds of great musicians like Joseph Spence and, and real traditional musicians. That wasn't the case when I started recording this. You could hear good folk musicians, but it tended to be more like Peter, Paul, and Mary, or uh, Odetta was great, but but she wasn't one of these original source musicians. So uh, I think there has been a lot of progress because today everybody knows about traditional blues and bluegrass and old-time country music, whereas nobody knew about it when, when I was first finding out about it. And Joseph Spence, has influenced all the great guitarists. I mean, Richard Thompson to the Grateful Dead, as you mentioned. Uh, do you Absolutely. Think, you think he could still has that power? 
I know his music does. Uh, we'll, we'll put out this record and see if <laughs> a new generation of guitarists learn from him. We, Peter Siegel, who uh, discovered an old tape of his at his parents' house of Joseph Spence that he recorded back in 65, is now an official release from Smithsonian Folkways called Joseph Spence Encore, Unheard Recordings of Bahamian Guitar Singing. A CD was just released. Let's finish up with one more song. Tell me about Run, Come, See. I've, I've heard Run, Come, See, Jerusalem. I didn't realize it was from the Bahamas. In 1929, there was a devastating storm, a huge hurricane, the biggest hurricane the Bahamas had ever seen in living memory, uh, that swept through the Bahamas and hit particularly hard in Andros Island, where at the time Joseph Spence was a 19-year-old kid living in Fresh Creek in Andros. When the storm hit, a boat called the Pretoria sank at the entrance to Fresh Creek Harbor Channel in Andros, killing 27 people. Joseph Spence himself ran down to the Harbor Channel and tried to rescue people, but unfortunately it was more of a recovery mission than, than a rescue mission but he helped bring the people who had drowned aboard ashore. Uh, and he always remembered that. Now, there was a great traditional singer living there at the same time named John Roberts, who you can also hear on Folkways Records. Uh, John Roberts wrote a song within a few days called Run, Come, See Jerusalem about the sinking of the Pretoria. That song was performed by many singers in the Bahamas, including Alfonso Higgs, uh, Alfonso Blake Higgs, who was known as Blind Blake, not the same as the blues singer Blind Blake. This was the Calypso Blind Blake. He recorded the song Run, Come, See, and that became a sort of a hit and was learned by people like Pete Seeger and the Weavers and all kinds of groups in the United States. Arlo Guthrie recorded it. So that's probably where many people heard it. Meanwhile, Joseph Spence was a witness to the event. He knew the song, but he never recorded it until now. So what you're going to hear, I guess, is Joseph Spence telling his own story of what happened on that stormy day in 1929 when the Pretoria capsized off of Andros Island where Spence was living. Peter Siegel, thank you so much for the work you've done, and thank you for taking time to talking to us. My pleasure. Thank you. Three sail leave out the harbor. Run, come see, run, come see. Three sail leave out the harbor. Run, come see the rosy. They was sailing down for Andres. Run, come see, run, come see. Sailing down for Andras When they get to Andras Come see, run, come see When they get to Andras A Gracie build we have a Toria Run, come see, run, come see Gracie build we have a Toria Run, come see the rose Captain say this look like George man Run, come see, run, come see Look at judgment. He 
couldn't get in the channel. Drunk I'm see drunk. He couldn't get in the channel. He turned right back for fresh cream. That time I just come out the feeling when I get on the hill that they come see the roof. Mulby to Victoria. Come see run, come see. Mulby stop and be to When she get back to Goldie, run come see, run come see. When she get behind Goldie, that time I see the patrol run come see, run come see. Then you see the patrol run come see the Rosie. Might be seven feet tall, run come see, run come see. Think of him, The more the bees of him, run, come see, run, come see. The more the bees of him, After I see the Victoria, run, come see, run, come. I went up to a fresh creek. Then I find a very Victoria. Run, come see. She says she got the bottom. That time I went up to Fresh Creek Bay, come see run. <laughs> I demand final dead people, come see the roots. <laughs> I say, look, this look like judgment, come see run, come. I say, it look like judgment. Why? <laughs> I tell you, that's a morning, come see run. <laughs> yeah, that was a morning. That was a morning. Yeah, that was a morning coming. Eat it. Eat it.